Welcome to the Angel Investors Network podcast. Greg Ryder is the CEO and founder of the Angel Investors Network, the first national angel group founded online in 1997, dedicated to perpetuating free enterprise, capitalism, and supporting the American dream. In addition, Angel Investors Network is the organization behind the powerful Mastermind Investment Club, dedicated to harnessing the philosophy of a mastermind to increase success with their investment portfolio. On today's podcast, Greg brings together successful high net worth investors to share with you how they invested successfully and achieved a profitable exit and how you can too. And now here's your host, Greg Ryder. So Dennis, you and I have a little bit in common. So I'm 56. I also did my first investment when I was around 20 years old. My dad got me into a company called Dennings Mobile Robots. And my dad put 100 grand in. It was a pre-IPO. I put seven grand in. We sold out four times our money uh, four months later. And, and you remind me of uh, that guy in that sitcom, Michael J. Fox, when he was a kid on that sitcom. And he was the one crunching the numbers. He was the Wall Street guy <laughs> and, and, and real conservative in the, in the household of uh, liberals. It was a funny sitcom I remember growing up as a kid. So yeah, family side. let's talk about some of these angel investments you've done. I think you told me you've done about 12 angel investments. Um, and you've had, how many exits have you had? Well, my first um, acquisition uh, um, is, uh, was, was actually just recently. Nordstrom purchased uh, one of my first angel investments, uh, Bevy Up, which is like a um, Seattle-based e-commerce um, sharing um, platform. And so, um, you know, we're all kind of like high-fiving and uh, it, was a, it was a good result. You know, it, my, I'm still a little bit early in my actual um, early stage angel investing career. I have to give it myself a little more time. So far, most of my investments are, you know, doing very, very well. I'm cautiously optimistic or, you know, patiently optimistic that my, my strategies or my, my abilities to sort of dis disseminate, you know, good investments from bad investments are sound. I'm learning a lot, however. So, uh, you know, I, I got a couple of obituaries and, um, you know, in those ones, you, you hope that you sort of sense that there's problems um, early and so you don't follow on and, uh, and then you sort of limit your downside. That, that's what the, the case is with, you know, early stage. It's, it's incredibly uh, volatile and um, it's very risky. And a great, I think a great early stage angel investor is aware of those risks and um, I think the best ones are the ones that, that can, you know, mitigate those risks and stay investing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm going to talk about that here in a few minutes, mitigating risk, because that's a big issue of what we deal with. And I want to get your input on that. Uh, but, but let me ask you this question, because you were talking a few minutes ago about how you went to work for a VC firm. And that's what kind of got you into this. And now you're on part of the Alliance of Angels. Tell me real quick you know, how you distinguish in your mind, I know I have my opinion on this, uh, the difference between a VC firm and an angel group. And, and give, a, give, give the listeners a description of those two and what the differences are, in your opinion, from your, from your perspective. Yeah, sure, no problem. <clears throat> well, I think that uh, a VC is uh, totally different than an individual angel. And um, for me, my last couple of years has been about 
understanding that difference and being able to be okay with that difference. A, in, in a, a VC um, or a venture capitalist, when, you, when you're talking to an individual venture capitalist, it's important to understand what that person represents. That person, um, their check is in the millions of dollars or it's capable of being in the millions of dollars. They um, are, the world occurs to them, they are an employee of a firm and they have a salary and they have to be at work at nine o'clock in the morning and they have to um, you know, stay at their desk all day and look at business plans and report to their other partners or their bosses and then their bosses have to report to their LPs in order to um, generate returns for their LPs and then so that they can raise more money from their LPs. And then their LPs um, are motivated by uh, generating outsized returns, whether it be with this firm or with another firm or another firm. So there's a lot of um, stakeholders in that relationship. When a founder is talking to a VC, they are talking to dozens of stakeholders with opinions and authority and all those things. When a founder is talking to me, an individual angel, they're only talking to me. Uh, I don't answer to anybody. I don't check in at a certain time. I can blow off a meeting. I can dive deeply into a meeting. It's, it's all me. It's a completely selfish game. I'm like a surfer. I'm, you know, I, I, it's only me and the board and the waves. You know, it's, there's no one else. I'm not on a team. I don't, you know, do anything like that. I don't, I don't get a salary uh, in the traditional sense. I'm a completely iconoclastic uh, individual. And so from that perspective, it's important to sort of understand that relationship. I mean, there's good, there's good things and bad things. When I write a check, I'm not writing a check for multiple millions of dollars. I'm writing a check for, you know, 25,000 on the low end to maybe 100,000 on the high end. My entire, you know, monetary relationship with the company is probably no more than me writing a check for 200,000 bucks over the whole entire lifetime of the company. So, you know, it's important to sort of understand that distinction in the relationship and understand like what that relationship represents for a company. Um, so I don't offer a lot of dollars, and, but what I have to do is I have to be able to syndicate. It's probably a little bit easier for someone to create like a one-on-one -on -one relationship with me because all they have to do is get past me. With a VC firm, they have to get past the entire firm's sort of push. Um, and you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a huge distinction. It, um, and I think that entrepreneurs are, are very well served to really understand that and to work within those frameworks because they are completely different animals. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with everything you just said, and you know, I'll add a little bit to that. So, you know, the venture capital world, it's like, you know, you, somebody has asked me the other day, where do venture capitals come from? I'm like, well, that comes from those guys that put a million dollars and had a 300x return, and now they got $300 million, so they're a VC now. They're not, a, they're not an angel investor anymore, right? So, um, but the idea is the, the cycle's longer, 
the check's obviously bigger. But as you and I were talking before we started recording, it's also like a good old boys club. I noticed a lot of people in these VC firms, you know, that they have those relationships within the firm on their last deal and their last exit and they come for the next deal. So it, it is much more difficult, but if you have a great deal, you can get funded, but it takes longer and, it, and, it, and it's more, uh, it's, just, it's just a longer sales cycle. Go ahead. Uh, I, and I also think that the world that we are in is evolving very, very rapidly. And um, you know, I think VCs need to really kind of look over their shoulder because um, it's a broken industry. And you know, um, I, I, have a, I, have, I have sort of a, a hot and cold relationship with VCs, especially the ones that I sort of deal with in Seattle. It's, it's like they're good in some levels, but they're completely broken in, on other, um, in other ways. So, you know, for me as an investor, and you probably know this as well, is, is that when you see um, an opportunity to strike, um, that's, that's a huge opportunity for investors. We look at those sort of inefficiencies in a marketplace. We look for those um, things that, you know, frustrate us and bother us as opportunities for us to really take advantage of. And what I hope as an angel is to take advantage of the fact that, you know, the VC industry in America is, is absurdly broken. Um, and, you know, I'm always looking for ways to just, you know, bring it down and, um, you know, it balance the scales a little bit. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I use the term vulture capitalist a lot because I've been vultured before. And I'm going, dude, I've been an investment maker for 20 years and I just got taken bad. And it's just like, and you know, and there's always a place for both venture capital and there's a need for it in certain situations. But I wrote one of the very first books on crowdfunding. So that I was just going to segue into this whole crowdsourcing and crowdfunding as a mechanism to raise, you know, follow on rounds and different rounds. And I really think it is a good solution personally for, you know, B2C type customers. But let me get your quick take on crowdfunding and the new laws and the, 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 the Reg CF for a million dollars and under and the Reg A plus and the 506 Cs. What, what is your take on the, your, your personal take on the crowdfunding as, as an investor standpoint, as well as a, a entrepreneur? Uh, I haven't really seen too many implementations where um, crowdfunding from an investor standpoint, um, you know, sort of solves uh, a lot of problems for a company. What I would just say is crowdfunding is, is exactly what sort of the name says. It's a herd mentality. And some people are some entrepreneurs or some founders or some um, individuals in this, this marketplace are great at creating demand and establishing sort of like a herd mentality and herding the cats in and a crowdfunding platform, you know, really makes it easy for people to just click a few buttons and sign a couple of documents through, you know, electronic signature and the money is in the door. And I think that groups can be good at that. Um, but I also think that there's, uh, some, you know, some down, some downside to that for me, when I'm trying to create a relationship with the company, I'm looking to try to get directly involved with, you know, the CEO or some of the, some of my contacts with the company, because I have questions and I have, um, I have needs in order to really commit to something because with my hard earned money. So, I, so those are sort of like the positives and negatives. Now, crowdfunding in terms of like product fit, market fit, I think is awesome. Um, I've been a part of, uh, I don't know, like um, four or five 
Kickstarter campaigns in products that I've uh, been an investor in. And, you know, I, I, I mean, this is going back to the early days of Kickstarter. They were monumental in helping us determine our product market fit. They basically guaranteed sales for, you know, um, our sort of go to market. And they were the newest, they were the next wave of direct marketing. Um, and if in the CEOs and the founders that know how to market through a uh, Kickstarter platform, if you can, if you're good at that, you're good, you'll be, you're ready for, you know, wide release. You know, you're ready for a QVC spot. You're ready for a Shark Tank. You're ready for um, Facebook Live commercials and YouTube uh, commercials. If you're, if the CEO is, has, is, is uh, it works the the network on you know Indiegogo or Kickstarter, you're good to go. Um, so I look for uh, a CEO that or a, you know a founder that embraces crowdfunding as a way of doing it. And I think that you can be creative with those within those platforms, and you can um, you know use techniques such as upsells and guerrilla marketing and all those types of things in crowdfunding. So it's a, it's a great platform for uh, the founder. I, I, still, I still need to kind of learn more about it from an investor standpoint. Yeah, I've done a lot of both. And actually with one of my companies, we did a, a crowdsourced launch, so to speak. Last September did a million dollars in one week, but we didn't even use a, a, a platform. We built our own funnels and our own upsells and our own stuff. And so we kept it all to ourselves. So it's very cool. So we had a few minutes left here. Let me, let's talk about this risk mitigation. So from your perspective, I want to ask you on a, on a scale of one to, I don't know how, how to ask this, but one of the things that I'm always promoting is Rolodex. You want to get investors to have a Rolodex. So you go back to the VC world or the angel world. And the one thing that VCs do bring, going back to like you said, they have the 12 limited partners or you know, whatever those, those, those LPs are, the Rolodex to help you succeed uh, is, is pretty big. And then as an individual investor, you have the passive investors that don't really have a Rolodex and guys like you sound like you get active and you're doing everything you can to help enhance. So talk about the, 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 the benefit of Rolodex from your investors and as an investor to help mitigate risks. Yeah, well, you know, I can't invest in a company or I can't make a meaningful investment in the company without other people. Just flat out. Um, so, you know, if I'm, if I have a company that's raising $500,000, uh, you know, we're just hoping that their monthly burn is maybe at like $30,000 a month and just throwing some, you know, basic numbers out there. Um, and that would give them like a 12 to 18 month runway in order to develop, you know, what they're hoping to develop and then, you know, get to the next level. So in order to finish that syndication, I need to ask four or five other people pass the hat and say, Hey, listen, I mean, I like this idea. And, um, you know, we think that you would, you'd, uh, really benefit from that. So it's, it's crucial. And I, what I say to entrepreneurs is you have to like dig into the scene. You have to really become like a social person related to building the syndicate. I mean, you're, you're going to get Dennis Joyce and with Dennis Joyce, I could probably socialize it with three or four other people. And then, you know, you would want to get it to the entire like angel group that I represent. And if you can really master that process, uh, you're ready to raise. And if you don't like that process, you're going to have a very, very difficult time, um, 
making anything of this company. And I look for that. When I'm an investor, if, I, if I'm asking questions of a founder and they're not enjoying the pitching process, um, that is like, that is my signal to get out of there. Yeah. Because if you don't like pitching it, if you are successful as an entrepreneur, if you are successful with this idea, you will be pitching this idea every day for the rest of the time you are running this business. You'll be pitching to uh, your, your own team. You'll be pitching to bank um, people. You'll be pitching to other investors. You'll be pitching to Wall Street. You'll be pitching to investment bankers. You'll be pitching, 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 pitching customers. You'll be pitching for the rest of your life. So like the best founders are the ones that really embrace this. Um, you know, they make themselves vulnerable to the process and they um, they're willing to kind of like lose themselves and lose their hangups in pursuit of the success of this concept. So now that's, that's a great red flag. And that's another one of these questions I ask all the time is like, what is the red flags that you should look out for? And that's one of those red flags that you've got kind of ingrained in your subconscious that goes, when you get that answer, you know, the bells go off. And I have, a, I have a question I always ask is I always ask entrepreneurs, well, I love your deal. Well, I haven't told you my deal yet. I know, but I love it anyway. But I haven't even told it to you. I love your deal. Here's what I want you to do. Tell me what's wrong with your deal. Let's start there. And it always throws them for a loop. And you can tell the ones that if they can articulate to you what's wrong and how it can be fixed, you know, okay, you got some. But they go, oh, there's nothing wrong, you know. So that's one of my ways for getting getting to the point really, really quick. I love that. It's awesome. Um, so one last, one last question now uh, on this too. So, so for me, Rolodex, all, not only on the funding side, because that's where a lot of entrepreneurs, they get started and they, they don't raise enough money. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest reasons for failures, not enough money fast enough. But the other thing that we're, we're working on with our Mastermind Investment Club is what we call the DVRS method of, of, of investing. We talk about deal flow. You gotta have great deal flow to have great investment opportunities. And then Rolodex, and what we're trying to use is this mastermind principle to not only leverage the mastermind and the group for additional investors, but also who in the group, who in the club, who part of the, this, 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 this club can open up a door to a retail distribution, to a manufacturer, to an attorney, to, a, to the best in class vendor that's gonna help accelerate you know, growth as well as mitigate risk because we're giving those entrepreneurs trusted quality vendors or opening up doors that can get them in the door. And so Kevin Harrington and myself, we do a lot of that. So I'm assuming you're on the same page with that. But I do want to ask one last question and that is structure. How important to you, this is one of the things we always talk to investors is structure. It's one thing to find a deal that you like. It's one thing, do I want to invest in this deal? And they have everything, all the ducks in a row. But then it comes to structure, you know, how you structure in the deal and how, how do you think of yourself as an investor as far as coming up with a structure or a term sheet or, or coaching those entrepreneurs in that area and how important is structure to you in your investment portfolio? Well, uh, to address one of the things that you said in your statement um, earlier, I would just say that it's important for an entrepreneur to ask for help. This is not just one person going out and taking on the world individually. You know, uh, we might we might be in a culture where, you know, we, we we think of ourselves as a hero and we're sort of us against the world. But actually, I'm looking for a founder that's engaging investors, employees, customers, all on this process and willing to ask for help. Um, it's, uh, the the thing related to structure of a deal and 
um, putting together a movement, we're, we're looking to like work together. An investor, uh, an entrepreneur is not trying to sell me. They're just trying to engage me. You know, I'm looking for an entrepreneur that's basically saying, let's, let's do this together. Join me in this process. Not, Hey, give me your money. It's join us in this movement. I'm listening for that when I'm talking to them. So when it comes down to like term sheet and structure and all these types of things, like I'm not, I'm not designing a term sheet. I'm not even, I'm not even like killing myself to read every little sentence of a term sheet. I'm looking for an attorney in town, in my case, Seattle, that I am, am familiar with to structure the deal. And then I'm going to go to my attorney. Uh, and sometimes it's the same person. So I then have to go to my sort of second attorney and say, hey, listen, this is my uh, term sheet from XYZ lawyer. We, I always use him. I know his terms. I'm familiar with his terms. How does this look? Is there anything here that I'm missing that's going to you know, kill me on the next round? But it's not an antagonistic relationship. We're working together to build this great company. I can't have any kind of um, sort of mistrust or you know uh, funny games in the relationship. It all has to be completely transparent. It's hard enough to build a great company um, when you're working together, let alone when you're always trying to like cut corners and nitpick and like, you know, get one over on each other. That's no way to go. So, so in terms of like network and engagement, I'm I'm thinking about how do we get like everybody on the same page, working our butts off to make this thing awesome. You know, that's how I sort of operate. No, that, that's great advice. And again, that, that goes back to every entrepreneur listening to this. You got to take this to heed because this is how investors think, right? Uh, and you, and you, might, you might think a different way. And, and this is typical of, of how investors think. So last question. So I know that you're part of the Alliance of Angels and the Puget Sound Venture Club. Tell, tell everybody listening, the, the prospective investors that, you know, I just sold my business, I got 20 million in the bank, or, you know, they've been a doctor for 30 years and they got millions of dollars and they want to play around this, this area. What is the benefits to being belonging to a club, a group, and tell, share your insights as, as the benefits of belonging to groups and clubs. Uh, if you try to go alone, you will be, um, you will invest in for only about a year. You'll be done. You'll be, you'll have, you will take your hard earned money. You'll take $25,000. You'll throw it at one of your first deals in like a restaurant that you want to like a jazz club or, you know, something that, you know, interests you, occurs to you as important. And then you will invest it. You'll, that money will get completely squandered and you'll be, you know, some blockchain token technology, something that you read about in Forbes magazine, you'll invest a hundred thousand bucks and you'll realize that that thing went, you know, gonzo. And you'll just say, I don't want to do this anymore. This is the dumbest thing ever. I'm going to go back to investing uh, with my, my broker at Merrill Lynch. That's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. If, you, if you want to actually do this as you know, a hobby or you know, an enrichment or a way to build your network, and you want to commit to three to, to 10 years be of, of investing in companies, you need to do, you need to have a plan, you need to have a discipline and you need to do it intelligently. 
And the only way to really understand how to build a portfolio of, of early stage by yourself is to do it within a network. And so I advise everybody, go to the Angel Capital Association website if you want to get, become an angel investor and find you know, uh, you know, find a group in your area where they're, you know, you're about 45 to, to 30 minutes away from a, a local group. Hopefully it's uh, tied to, um, you know, a, a, a vibrant econ, you know, economic um, place where you can, you know, find good deal flow and go to the meetings, become part of the support group, dive in, add your value, because not only do you need sort of our experience, we need your perspective and experience to, to make this industry valid. We are all by ourselves and then we have to work together. We are not a VC firm. I cannot sit down on a Tuesday meeting and ask five or six men and women, you know, what do you think about this idea? We have all collectively looked at thousand business plans. What do you think of this idea? I don't have that ability. I'm only by myself. So when I see a great business plan, I have to do it within the angel network, within the Puget Sound Venture Club, in my case, um, or Alliance of Angels. And I have to go around the tables and say, hey, what do you think of this idea? What do you think about these guys? Oh, you like them? So do I. Let's, let's all sort of put, let's put 25K into it each and let's build this around and let's take it. Or, you know, I might love an idea. And then five or six other people are like, well, the thing is, is, you know, I, I have experience in this space and this is the technology that we were working on 15 years ago, but there's no money in it. You know, I don't, I don't individually have that perspective, but it, you know, in Seattle, we have someone that might be working, it might've worked on this in Microsoft in the 1990s, right. you know, and now he's an angel investor and he knows all the, all the, the levers to pull and he knows all the buyers and sellers and acquirers in this industry. And they can give us like a lot of perspective. And, you know, I, I think that, I would just say that do not go it alone. Um, you know, join us uh, in this and, and let's really like make this. And the companies need us. The companies need angel investors. VCs are so far away on the horizon for, you know, your typical founder that needs to raise a million bucks. A VC, at least in Seattle, they're not looking at you um, under a million bucks it's the, because it's not going to move the needle at all. They, you need the angel investors, you need the angel groups to be as strong as you possibly can to um, syndicate amazing rounds for these companies to, you know, take this thing to the next level. And um, I'm a big believer in that. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't say it enough. No, so I sure appreciate you, Dennis. That's that's you're you're speaking my 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 words. I mean, Angel Investors Network was was birthed out of the mission to help perpetuate free enterprise and capitalism, and it's people that have the ability to write checks that get in there with the attitude of sure that we want to make a return on our investment, but we really want to help perpetuate free enterprise and capitalism. We want to be involved. We want to lend that mentorship. We want to help eliminate mistakes. We want to help with our rolodex and expand and accelerate you know, profits and, you know, mitigate risks. So with that being said, Dennis Joyce, I appreciate you. Appreciate oh, wait, you. I, oh, wait. Can I just add one more thing? Sure. Well, and I would also um, suggest any prospective angel investor to think of it from a portfolio perspective, really understand the percentages of a portfolio. If you are, if you are sitting on over a million dollars, if you're an accredited investor, um, your basket of angel investments should be no more than 10% of your um, net worth. 
And I would also think that it could be more like 5%. And that, that is your alternative investment basket. And you should also be, be willing to live without that money that you're about to invest for the, forever, <laughs> you know, because once you write that check, you don't have that $25,000 maybe ever again. So you need to be able to live without that money. And then you need, but in, and if you're expecting a return, that money is not coming back to you for at least three years, but more likely five to 10 years. Right. And um, you may never, you may never get that back again. So it's, it's not about, you know, uh, you know, writing a check in 2018 and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be a trillionaire by 2021. You need to think about that as a very small portion of your investable assets. You got to say goodbye to that money. Bye-bye. And then you have to um, work towards getting a good result afterwards, but it takes a long time, a lot of patience and a lot of help, you know, um, in order to do that. Sorry, I, I just oh, needed to say that. No, that, that's great advice. And I'll add one thing. You should probably plan on investing in about 10 deals, right? So if you're going to just invest in one, don't do it, right? Put, keep yeah. your money in your pocket because your chances of having a return on one deal are pretty slim. And, you know, if you get up to where you're going to make 10 investments, now you have a chance of two or three of those, you know, providing some type of return. That would be yeah, well, speaking to other investors will help guide those principles. That's why the network effect is really important. Well, and that's, um, what, that's, other what about. that's what Angel Investors Network is all about in our Mastermind Investment Club. And the one thing for your benefit to know a little bit about us, we're a little bit different in that the Angel Investors Network is a nationwide angel group. We do webinars on a monthly basis, and we kind of collectively share information and news and tools to a membership site. And we kind of do what a local angel group does on a nationwide basis. And it's kind of an interesting philosophy that we're trying to, you know, perfect and continue to grow. So, but I do got to wrap it up. I sure appreciate it, Dennis. If there's anything we can do to help you or you got some deals you want to send our way, let, let us know and we can possibly introduce them to our network of investors as well. Yeah, we'll promote the hell out of this and the heck out of this and uh, get my name out there. Uh, I like to uh, read about myself on the internet. So uh, throw me out there. I don't care. Okay, man. You have a great day, Dennis. I appreciate it. All right, Greg. Take care. Bye-bye. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer.